Welcome to the Philip Wiley Show. Take a look behind the curtain of professional hacking and hear compelling discussions with guests from diverse backgrounds who share a common curiosity and passion for challenges and their job. And now, here's your host, offensive security professional, educator, mentor, and author, Philip Wiley. Hello, welcome to another episode. Today, I'm very excited to have Tim Medine joining today. I've been a big fan of Tim and his work over the years, and we're fortunate enough to have him in the Dallas community. He attends, although he's not directly in Dallas, but he has attended several of our meetup groups uh, like Dallas Hackers. Dallas Hackers was the first, first meeting we met. He did a talk on some of the IoT stuff that they were doing for SANS for some of the training, and, and you brought the... you brought the doll in it was like uh bluetooth enabled and had the the app that you could make the doll talk and and that was a pretty funny story we'll have to have you share that tim <laughs> sure yeah thanks for having me phil um yeah the, the um the first time at the dallas dallas hackers association dha um i it, it wasn't actually for a sans class we had well sort of we're at a sans event and we bought a bunch of just random IoT devices and let people hack them and just gave people the basic process and let them rip through it. Um, did a little extra research into uh, a doll called My Friend Kayla. Um, and then fast forward, like it, I think it was, it was about a year later, Germany ended up banning that, that doll <laughs> in that country. And they referenced my blog post in the German law, which I was like, well, that's pretty cool. But this, to <laughs> this toy, it was essentially just a, it was essentially a bug. It was a wireless headset. Um, whatever you played on your iPad, your phone, it would play it through the, the, the doll. And you could also listen to what's coming back. And the, the creepy part, of course, is if you know, a kid's playing with it, someone connects to this thing, and it was easy to connect to, didn't have to hit any sort of buttons, just connect to it. So uh, yeah, a little, little bit of a poor choice on their side as far as what that thing ended up being. So some of the stories you shared about the fun that you were having with that doll at some of the conference or at the conference. <laughs> oh, it was fun. I mean, there's, there's nothing weirder than going through security with this by myself with this little girl doll in your luggage, getting the weird looks from security and, uh, you know, walking through the hotel Caesar's palace, carrying this doll to go give a talk and, and look through that. And, and then of course at DHA, uh, it was actually my first DHA. I'm like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna come in with a big splash. Like I come in with a doll, and people are like, "What is wrong with this guy?" But it was uh, in my mind, it was pretty entertaining. We had to keep it really short, but it was uh, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, that was pr that was pretty funny. I think Tinker had a lot of fun with that too. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, yeah, it's pretty cool that, and also too, you know, uh, Tim actually was a guest speaker at uh, my Pwn School project meeting. It was like the last, I think, is the last one of 2019. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It was, it was it was 2019, right at the end of the year. I brought my oldest. He was really excited to come, ate some pizza. Um, I know Phil through all those various communities, but he, the the dude, I mean, as you all know, just keeps giving back and presenting and giving up free content. So I was like, hey, I could, I'll try to do my part here. Showed up, had a uh, great time with that group of people. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time, and everyone enjoyed the presentation. One of the things that I was really amazed, and I guess the first time I noticed this when you presented at DC two and four earlier that year. That's when you first mentioned, asked about my group and if we we're ever looking for speakers. And I remember you doing a demo. One of the things that always amazed me, like your presentation skills or teaching skills was how you could zoom in on a screen and zoom out and just move back and forth between slides and all that was just 
just amazing to me. It's like magic. It just, it just becomes part of the art form, the uh, the edutainment, as we jokingly call it. But uh, just using it, it was, I don't know, multiple screens I had set up so I could fly back in between those and figured out to use the accessibility options to zoom on stuff. But it, it, after you practice it, the first time was an absolute disaster. I had the wrong screens up and the zoom was all funky. But after you get used to it, it was uh, it definitely made for a, a much more I think interactive presentation, easier for people to see and read stuff, especially in the back of a giant classroom or pizza place. <laughs> <laughs> well, for anyone that's ever taught, they can they will really appreciate that skill set. <laughs> so, for some of our listeners that that may not know of you, because a lot of people listen are are folks that are aspiring security professionals or just getting into the industry, why don't you share your background with the audience? Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, Tim Medine, I am the uh, CEO and founder of Red Siege. So we do pen testings, pen, pen testings, plural, I guess, uh, pen testing, um, all kinds of offensive things. Uh, my background, I've been doing pen testing and I, I need to do the math and I keep forgetting to do it, but I've been pen testing for I think about 15 years now. Um, started off in an era where things were very different, but uh, a lot of experience with that, all sorts of different industries. Um, as we talked about a little bit before, I also teach with the, uh, the Sands Institute, lead author of the uh, Enterprise Penetration Testing Course, Sec 560, uh, which is really where I got a lot of my presentation skills. Or let me rephrase that, developed and, and practiced the, uh, the presentation skills. So by the way, if you want to get better at presenting, the only way to do it is do it, much like many things in, uh, in, in life there. Uh, prior to that, background in IT, did some coding, started off my career as an electrical engineer doing uh, control systems and uh, robotics. Yeah, it's pretty interesting how a lot of people that uh, have been in the industry for a while, they got started in IT or cybersecurity come from like electrical engineering backgrounds. Yeah, I mean, there was, I mean, when we started out, there was no such thing as a cybersecurity program. I mean, there was no mm -hmm. there was no schools for that. There weren't classes on it. It was this absolute. I don't even want to say it was an afterthought. Like it wasn't even a thought. Um, so, like some of the best testers on my team, one guy's a music major, another one is a journalist major, uh, a couple of with IT or technical related backgrounds. But in this field, there there literally wasn't anything. So it was just self drive and practicing on your own that you, you learned a lot of these skill sets back in the day. Now, of course, much more formalized programs these days, plenty of uh, some great, great ones out there. Yeah, it's even interesting from the IT perspective, because remember, there used to be like these MIS programs, there really wasn't anything that focused on any kind of uh, network or any kind of infrastructure type stuff. It was all like, from an operation standpoint, or management information security systems, I mean, information security systems, but management of uh, information systems. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, back in those days, you the the closest you would get is by accidentally breaking something, like you're trying to set something up doesn't quite work right, or you're like, hey, what happens if I try this and it, it would break, and you're like, oh, cool. What do I do with it? And we didn't have you know the nice disclosure policies. Unfortunately, no bug mounties where we could have made a couple of a uh, couple of bucks back in the day either. So, so with your background and, and you know you kind of started, you've been in it for a while because you know pen testing has really evolved over the past. 10 or 15 years. So how would you compare things now compared to when you were starting out? I hate to say it like it, when I started, it was it was easy. Um, <laughs> we had 
you know, things like MS-08067, which was a, uh, um, a, a, you're accessing a Windows system over the network on a port that's available on pretty much every single system. Um, and an extremely reliable exploit. P the people's patching policies weren't nearly as good as we, we have these days. There was no such thing as an auto update. So it was just come in, find one of the systems that had that. And it lasted for years and years and years. On top of that, we had um, Responder and some tools kind of predecessors to that. The uh, the LM passwords were uh, still in use, so cracking passwords was pretty trivial because LM password uh, storage mechanism is really insecure. Converts to uppercase, splits it into two seven-character chunks, so at, at the worst case, you're cracking two seven-character passwords, which even on you know antiquated technology would still go relatively quickly. Um, and then, of course you know, the filtering policies around the network, the, the same sort of active directory issues we still have. We, of course, had those back then. Uh, the monitoring wasn't there. So it, it, it definitely evolved over time. And fortunately, I mean, the good thing is things have gotten a lot, of, a lot, of, a lot better. Our software is better. Um, the technology monitoring is much better. Um, back in those days, AV and EDR, like if you got caught by it, we would literally laugh at each other. Like, what did you do to actually get caught by fill-in-the-blank product? Like, how did you even do that with Metasploit? Uh, and, of course, these things, the, we oftentimes have to spend a decent amount of time trying to, uh, to evade these various um, defensive products. Yeah, it's very interesting the way that we've got so many more tools nowadays, but it's it's not exactly easy with all we have to deal with from the defenders. Yeah, yeah. I mean, defend, defenses have gotten significantly better. The defenders as well, the, the people um, monitoring and responding. I mean, there wasn't as many people that had even any kind of security team on the inside of their organization. Or if they did, it was one random admin's part-time job. So it just it just wasn't a thing, and it you know back in those days too, a lot of it was just some of it was for theft, like credit cards, because someone could try to take the credit cards and flip those. But a lot of the other types of information, there just wasn't a great way to monetize that, and um, ransomware wasn't a thing because there was no great way to to monetize that. We didn't think have things like um, you know cryptocurrency where you could transfer the money semi-anonymously uh so things have definitely evolved over the years yeah that's that's very interesting how that how that how times have changed with ransomware and some of the other <clears throat> ways of monetizing so one of your claim to fame is curb roasting if you wouldn't mind uh discussing that yeah sure um the question i get all the time is how did you figure out curb roasting and, and this is a, a little bit on my story but a little bit hopefully for you to figure out the thing that you want to research and kind of develop a process for it. But it was really just a few friends and I sitting around and talking. We're like, hey, how does this whole Kerberos thing work? And we were talking about the tickets and I'm like, I think the only secret value in Active Directory is passwords. So that means that the ticket, the, the service ticket, the, the ticket that you send to the, the um, file server, SQL server, whatever, that's going to be encrypted with the password hash of that service. So did some additional research, read way too many RFCs, 
um, did some wrote some really terrible Python. But honestly, it was just I had an interest in a thing. I dug into it, tried to figure out how it worked, and then of course tried to figure out how it broke. So the, the question that I get from people all the time, they ask me like, "Hey, what should I look into?" And and the not to be snarky answer is honestly whatever's interesting to you. Because if you pick something that that I tell you you should look into and you hate it, you're not going to want to do it. One, you might get tired of it and then stop. Or two, and probably the worst case is you continue doing it and you hate it. And and you build an entire career like and you loathe what you do. So it's really the Pick the thing you're interested in and, and not to sort of derail or change the subject, but I get this with where should I start in security? Do I, should I do look at the network first or web, cloud? Again, pick the thing that's interesting to you. Pick the technology that you've got some experience with at work, with test systems, whatever it might be, and dig into that because there's still plenty of opportunity to find different security issues in those different platforms or understand it so you know how to attack it even better. Or yeah, defend it, of course, defense. Yeah, I keep forgetting about the poor defenders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things too, it's good that you mentioned do the things that you're interested in because I think too many times people just, I think people hear about ethical hacking first and they don't, if they're brand new to the industry, they don't know about those other roles. But uh, I kind of think it's important for people to look at the different roles out there because you never can tell. You may have the intent of wanting to be a pen tester, but you might like incident response or threat hunting better. Yeah, honestly, my favorite thing in security, without question, is incident response. Uh, you are live head to head with the bad guys, and, and there's there's a chess game sometimes. Um, it, it's kind of a high pressure situation that unfortunate piece the schedule stinks because an organization calls you up because they've been trying to fight an attack and they're tired of trying to fight it about two o'clock on a Friday so you got to fly someplace on a Friday but I absolutely love that but again pick the piece that's interesting to you and if you're digging into one and you're like no I want to change Whatever knowledge you have, whether it be the offense, the defense, the, um, the the threat hunting, the incident response, forensics, whatever it might be, that knowledge will be very valuable in whatever other sort of security role that you 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 move into. Like I know some fantastic um, pen testers that used to be incident responders, and they learned the techniques by quite literally watching the bad guys. And of course, the same thing in reverse. The pen testers good at IR because they know how the attacks work. They know how to think like the attacker. Same thing with the defenders. They know how the attacks work. They know how to def set up the defenses. They know what's important to defend. They know what's more likely to be attacked instead of focusing on things that don't have as much value from a defensive perspective. They, it really helps them triage and make better decisions to, uh, to protect their organization. So for someone that wants to get into offensive security, what what's your recommended path? Yeah, I mean, the there's a ton of free training that's out there. Um, there's a ton of stuff on YouTube. Yes, you're going to have to wade through that a, a little bit. Uh, but there's a, a lot out there that wasn't out there before. Uh, there's a lot of resources out there where you can practice. Things like Hack the Box, Well Paid, 
isn't that expensive, but you can you can practice on some of that. Of course, don't practice on real target networks that you don't have permission to do, but you can build your own labs. You can set up you know your own sample cloud infrastructure and whether it's AWS, Azure, whatever, as long as you stay under certain thresholds, a lot of that's free. And it just just dig around with it. I would also encourage encourage you to find other people who are interested in the same thing. Nobody, nobody does this in a vacuum. Whether that be uh, Discord channels, Slack channels, there's not great social media for that. But there's plenty of those that are out there where if you've got a question, ask the question. And, and the more specific the question, the better answer you're going to get and the more likely you are to get an answer. If you ask this very broad, how do I start attacking a Windows domain, it's such a broad question that it's, it's almost too hard to answer. But if you're like, hey, I've got access on a computer, what's the first thing that you would do to start attacking the domain? Well, that's a quick and simple answer for everybody. And you can honestly get a lot of different answers and you can look into those, those various pieces. But be very specific if you're asking people because you know their time is valuable too. They wanna help, but help them help you, not to steal the cliche there, but ask those very specific questions um, and then dig into it. Um, do a lot of Googling, try to find documentation on that. Again, lots of great blog posts, videos, whatever, to help you learn some sort of technology, technique, tactic, tool, whatever. So, so with uh, chat GPT and then AI becoming is more of a reality now, people are actually using AI. Before, we always got the questions, will machine learning and AI re replace pen testers? So how do you kind of see that uh, playing a part of offensive security now? Yeah, I don't, I'm not saying it's not going to get there, but at this point, it's, it's frankly, it's not there. I, I know, and, and yes, you can say I'm biased because I'm a, a manual pen tester, but a lot of what I've seen for some of the, the automated tests, and I haven't seen the true quote unquote AI um, in this space, but a lot of it is do a scan like with Nessus or Rover, which again, fine tools, but if you're trying to take that and then feed that into a tool that's going to automatically run some attacks, that's cool. You get some good value very quickly, but you're going to miss things. There's There are pieces where you need the human to put two pieces together to understand like, hey, wait a second, something looks weird here based on my experience that I've seen before. Um, reading through documentation and learning about this application or their internal documentation and be like, oh, hey, there's a password in here. What can I do to try to use this? Um, so I think it does help, but I just, I, I don't think in the next five years, we're going to see AI replace uh, pen testing in any sort of effective quantity, if that's the, the, the right type of term. It, if you want the really simple basic chat test and you've got a very small budget, take a shot. Right, but as you level up, as your organization gets better at defense and detection, you really do need to go after, have a real adversary, a real advanced pen tester, take a look at that to see what are the things that those other tools miss, because they will. 
Yeah, I kind of agree with that because, you know, I, when people bring that up, there's so many other areas I could see it replacing before it actually replaced replaced pen testing. I mean, because the only thing I see is ever getting to a decent level or when it, what it'll take is hearing about some of the general AI because, you know, AI now you have to feed it information to train it with, they say with general AI, it will be able to start learning on its own. And so it looks like we're kind of long ways from that, but I think we're closer to replacing other other roles than we are pen testing because I think a lot of cases the people that think it's replaced don't understand it because in my opinion I think offensive security is probably one of the least understood areas of cybersecurity. Yeah, I think it, I completely agree with you. I think the the first place that we see this becoming most effective is going to be related to baselining organizations, understanding like what does the normal actions for a user look like? And then detecting the deviations, not knowing it's an attack, but if like, hey, you know, that's weird that Steve in accounting is running PowerShell all of a sudden. Steve's never done that before. And then it, it flags it, not because it necessarily knows what it is, and maybe that's a sort of a simple example here, but hey, this user never accessed this resource before. That's that's odd. Like that, that shouldn't have happened. The person's worked here for five years. They've never tried to access this or access it in this specific fashion. Something is different. So I think it's going to be much better for digging through those needles and those giant haystacks and really helping, you know, SOC analysts, defenders, whatever, look at the more important things first without having to write as extensive tool sets. And again, we get a ton of data here and AI is great at processing large quantities of data. And if you can get that across many different organizations, we can really start to build some of these better profiles. Yeah, one of the things I want to touch on too, because uh, kind of what recently got me connected back with you and spoken a while was just, you know, to congratulate you about the acquisition of 40 North, because I mean, I've been a big fan of Red Siege and the stuff you're doing there, because there's like a, a handful of pen testing firms that I highly recommend. And Red Siege has been one of those. And just to see the expansion with 40 North, those capabilities that you get from acquiring them along with the training stuff, I think that's very impressive. So I think it's definitely worth kind of uh, talking about what you're doing there, Red Siege and the acquisition of 40 North and kind of the direction sure. the, the company's going overall. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, we've been around for almost six years now. And even in that, what seems like a short amount of time, we've seen a lot of evolution across the industry. Um, I come with this, come from a tech background, always wanted to get into the more of the entrepreneurial side. Uh, so I've been working on building it up, finding some fantastic testers and, and people to, uh, to, to work with. And the next logical step was uh, the acquisition of 40 North. They did high quality pen tests, red teaming. Um, they also have some fantastic training. Um, the first one that we're, we're, we're sort of working with them on was related much more to Cobalt Strike and offensive operations, tooling strategy, et cetera. Um, but I'm really excited, really excited to, for that. It's additional opportunities for, uh, for people to, uh, to learn some different technologies that's uh, a little bit more expensive to, uh, to, to buy on your own. So really, really excited about the, the, uh, the acquisition there. Great team all together now, the, the, the new group. Um, super excited. And so this kind of expands. I, get, I don't know if you were, you were doing red team related stuff before. Or is this just uh, you'll have this as an offering now through 40 North acquisition? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the services that we, the, the 
core services, the pen testing, nothing changes there other than adding additional team members, um, additional experience, additional backgrounds. Um, Chris Trunser, for example, extremely smart. He, he's written a number of tools um, that, that you as pen testers may or frankly should be familiar with, like Eyewitness. Mm -hmm. uh, so great tooling capabilities there, great addition to, uh, to the team. And then, of course, he's running the, uh, the training there. Um, with with his course, so really excited to see how that 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 pans out. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting interesting to watch. And one of the things I kind of learned about from Red Siege was seeing your, your you talk about doing assume breach. And I think that's a a very important type of pen test to do. Yeah, it was when I started. We would do the traditional internal pen test, which means you the attacker is sitting on your network without any sort of of, of access to anything beyond just a, the simple network port. And back in those days, there was invariably there was some sort of exploitable service that would get you access to the first system. Usually, and far too often, the first day out of like let's say a five day test. The logical um, evolution with you know locking down our host, better firewalls, so even if there is a vulnerable service, uh, you know that that SMB port, for example, isn't accessible. But with the assume breach style test, it fast forwards to what happens if, or let me rephrase that: what happens when the breach occurs? And and it, the the most common ways are credentials, stolen credentials. Um, MFA is not perfect there. It does help. Don't say it. Don't don't quote me as saying don't use MFA or it doesn't help. It does, but there are still issues there. So one, the stolen credentials. Two, they're traditional fish with some kind of a payload. Um, and then if you look at, for example, the Verizon breach report, you see that 19% of breaches include an inside actor, which could be an engineer when they leave the organization. They take the CAD drawings with them. Um, it could be something much more advanced. I'm sure you, you may have heard about some of the, the news stories where some network administrator is fired or is disgruntled and then attacks the network either while well, they still have the position or after they've been terminated, they're, they're separated their employment, then they come back in and do that. It, realistically, in that case, that's an insider. So simulate what happens when that breach happens, because realistically, in all three of those cases, the credentials, the fish to some degree, and that inside access, the attacker is starting with access. So let's see what happens after that initial compromise. And if we end up spending too much time on that initial access and can't get in, we miss finding all those deeper issues inside the organizations around, you know, oversharing, incorrect Active Directory permissions, uh, the hardening of workstations, the, the the network architecture, and and so many different things. And the assume breach style test really puts a heavy focus on that. And one of the things I think that's a, a another point to kind of prove that that's a value is you look at a good web app pen test. You don't do just unauthenticated. Because yes. there's times you may not be able to get a foothold and you have to do authenticated to thoroughly test the security. Yeah, and this kind of goes back to your point from earlier. Like there are great tools for identifying a number of the 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 OWASP top 10, like injections and such. But the real thing that we're seeing 
with like the live pen testers that I don't know how a tool can can actually do this is incorrect authorization. So user A can now access user B's data because the permissions are not set up correctly or business logic. Uh, the, the tools are not designed to do this on their own. And you need somebody who understands the application to do that manual testing to make sure A can't access B. Or if you've got a process that goes, let's, let's say you've got a checkout cart, right? You, you, you select the item, you put it in the cart, you, you go to the, the shipping page, um, you, you pay, and then you're done, right? Well, what happens if you put it in your cart, put the shipping information, skip the credit card, and go right to done, right? I mean, very simple explanation here, but it's a, a good analogy. What happens if we can ab abuse or modify uh, that process if there aren't the checks in place inside the application to prevent things like that. And we see a lot of the frameworks have already built in mechanisms to do a lot of the filtering for cross-site scripting, SQL injection, et cetera, but there's still plenty of issues in the, uh, the business logic. And that's where we're seeing the vast majority uh, with our manual testing, where we're seeing the vast majority of high impact issues. Very good. So we're down towards the end of the show. Is there anything you'd like to share before we close out the episode? No, I, 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 not to get too uh, fanboy here on Phil, but uh, I'm a super fan of uh, all the stuff that Phil does, and I'm amazed that he has the uh, the, the stamina to uh, <laughs> to continually put all this stuff out. But uh, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be on here. If you want to contact me, you have questions, whether it's about pen testing or whatever, drop me uh, an email, tim at redsiege.com, or hit me up on the uh, the tweeters, Tim Medine, or one of the other new social media platforms these days, you'll find <laughs> Tim Medine all over the place, but uh, love to meet you folks, maybe in person. If we run into each other, stop by, say hi. I'd love to, to, uh, to shake your hand and meet you. Uh, but uh, no, I appreciate the opportunity, Phil. Thank you so much. Well, uh, thank you. And I'm a huge fan of yours. And for those listening, we'll be sharing all his social media stuff in the show notes. So you'll be able to contact him as well as uh, the resources for Red Siege. And if you're looking for a good pen testing firm, this is one of the ones I highly recommend. Oh, thanks, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't pay well, him to say that, but I appreciate no. it. <laughs> thanks, and I appreciate you taking time to join today. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Philip Wiley Show. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, to learn more about Philip, go to thehackermaker.com and connect with him on LinkedIn and Twitter at Philip Wiley. Until next time.